Welcome to Get Your Shift Together, hosted by Michelle Ferrari. As an executive and leadership coach, Michelle's mission is to support you on your leadership journey, whether you lead a team of 5,000 or are seeking to improve your own self-leadership. Michelle's approach is to guide you in understanding the impact of your choices and actions and help you shift those choices and actions to align with your goals. Michelle's humor and expertise will leave you wanting more. I hope you're ready to jump in because it's time to get your shift together. Today, we really wanted to, to discuss you know, what type of leaderships required in this environment and i think as a starter uh what type of environment do you think we're in right now that's your opening question what type of environment do we well like wow okay well let's let's set the let's set the stage let's go meta um oh i said the word um meta are you are you referring to facebook's new name no Uh, (laughs) No, hard no. What type of environment are we in? I think we are in a, we continue to be in an uncertain environment. I think we're in a transition environment. My gut says to me, um, we're in a time where the relationship between employer and employee is shifting. There's some testing going on. and. A lot of the old rules are in place, but the old rules are on shaky ground. I think, you know, as an observer of human behavior, I think the next 10 years are going to be very, very interesting. I think we're, I think we have the potential for some seismic shifts from the way we've always done things. And, you know, I came up this way and this was my experience. So I'm going to create that same experience for you. The the old school patriarchal, I I think it needs to be said, white rules of commerce and employment. I think those are currently being examined, tested and shifted. Is that what you were looking for? Yeah, well, you know, to set the stage, we know you said uncertainty. So that was one thing I was looking for. You know, you've you've got a war in Europe right now. And we know that, uh, you know, there's been wars going on throughout the world. Um, but especially being in North America, you know, that one seems uh, somewhat, at least for me, it seems closer to home. Uh, you've You've got the ongoing pandemic. And even though we've rolled out of it, you know, who knows if, if another variant will come along. I think one already has that's, uh, that is, is easy, trans, easier, transmissible, but uh, less, again, less, less severe. And then you've got this talent, the great resignation, the great reallocation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you've got rising inflation and, and many of the things you just, you just mentioned. And I think we are, we're, we're moving away from that. It will be really interesting over the next 20 years to see, or next 10 years to see what's going to happen. So as we sit with that, um, what are the types of leadership 
that uh, you think you think are required right now? Is there is there something that comes to mind? Yeah, well, I think there. I guess if I had to label it, um, one of my my favorite labels is service leadership. Um, and what I mean by service-based leadership, I think we've talked about this before, like way back. It's about, it's not as I rise through the ranks and as I gain more responsibility and as I gain more responsibility over others, the old style of leadership said, I'm becoming more important. I have power. I use that power to have others do what I want them to do. I think you know where I'm going with that explanation. It's a very simple explanation. Service-based leadership says the higher up I go, the greater the responsibility um, in my role, the greater responsibility I have to others who are executing the success that my role will be measured by. So I need to be very in tune with the zeitgeist of the team, with the needs of the team. So I think that is on the rise more than ever. I think it's been on the rise um, over the last uh, decade or so. I, I think the pandemic has radically shifted the acceleration of that because now what we have is a group of people who are saying, I'm no longer beholden to you. I know what I need and what I want. And if you're not going to give it to me, I don't want to play with you anymore. I'm taking my hockey net and I'm going home. thought I'd bring in the Canadian hockey. <laughs> yeah. It's like the road hockey. Yeah. You got Tim Hortons. You know, because with my reach on these podcasts, I think it's enormous. So if Tim Hortons wants to sponsor me. I thought like, why not have a cup, right? Exactly. Um, so I think the employee population is saying, you're not the boss of me. And we've really lived in this boss-employee relationship for a really long time. So if you want to engage with your team, if you want to inspire loyalty with your team, if you want to actually create an atmosphere where people want to be, service-based leadership is probably your best path forward. Yes. And, you know, the other thing I found interesting this week, I'm part of uh an emerging leaders program at the organization I work with. I won't, I won't say the name of the organization, but the, the CEO came on and they did a, they did one of those things where you type words into a, I don't know, quiz online and you see what word appears the most. And you probably had a group, group of um, 25 to 40 year olds. And the thing that came across the most the biggest want words were empathy and compassion is what they were looking for. I think the second one was compassion. I wish I took a picture of the ones that appeared the fifth most. I actually typed in empathy and was, was pleasantly surprised. I thought it might show up to see that coming through the boldest. That's actually unbelievable. That like really, I mean, like, let's just sit with that for a second. That's, that's remarkable because that goes directly in the face of, you know, cliches get established for a reason. So the old adage of it's just business, it's not personal, right? Like, it, which has that, this is going to hurt mentality <laughs> associated with it. And now we have 
empathy and compassion rising to the top. I, from a humanity perspective, I think it's amazing. I really do. And yet it's going to test a lot of people's leadership skills because it is, it is the ability to empathize and be compassionate with the individual while still holding the larger space for the organizational direction and objective. And that's, that's work, that's talent. That's now I'm really the primary aspect of my leadership is to lead people, not to launch products, not to, you know, be a strategic whiz kit. It's to really connect with my team, a team that I'm now a part of versus simply just being that figurehead, right? I'm actually in the team. I'm part of the team. I'm not just beating the drum at the, at the top of the team. And that, that's going to take some practice for people who are not used to doing business that way. It is going to take a lot of practice and it's, it is a shift. And I think it was Simon Sinek said recently, um, you're responsible for the people who are responsible for the people who are responsible for the people who are responsible for the results. <laughs> so it's, it's very similar to what you just said. Yeah. Well, cause really I, I am the female version of Simon Sinek. I just, exactly. don't have, I just don't have the reach, the book, the marketing team. And I am jealous and bitter. And if that's coming across, that's okay, because I am jealous and bitter. Whenever Simon gets mentioned or Brene Brown, I sort of get a twitch in my eye. I'm a wannabe. Yeah, I think, I think some of the old guys at the top are going to struggle with this. And, and even as we articulate, so let's go back to the last podcast that we did on, on Return to the Office. It's really interesting to talk with leaders and have them examine the why of back to the office. Like, why is this so important to you? What is it that you want? Because we see, and, and in typical fashion, I think there's a lot more of us in the middle versus on either ends, but we always talk about either ends, right? From a continuum, we're always talking about either end of the continuum. I think probably 80% of us land in the middle. But as I push leaders to talk about, okay, if you're going to release a back to office policy, you really have to have a solid articulation of why. And you have to have some evidence to support that because service-based leadership says, I'm listening to you. What you think and what you need is important. It's probably one of the most important things in our organization. And so my responses, my direction, my vision will incorporate the needs of the whole versus just come back to the office. And, and look, we see it everywhere. We, we see lots of organizations going, you don't have to come back at all. You can work remotely as long as you want to work. I, I, you know, talk to me a year from now, whether that's still true. I'm, I'm going to be interested in seeing how that works. And then uh, certainly financial institutions, a lot of financial institutions, you have get back now. And to be honest with you, those organizations, certainly the ones I was engaged with, am engaged with from a coaching perspective, they were back in the middle of the pandemic. 
Yes. Yeah, they were. Right. Like they were like, no, in the office. And so it's just. And is that dependent on position within the, like, sorry, with department within the corporate office? No, that was a full on, please come back to the office. Please, like, no, I I can't believe I just said it that way. There was no please. So I take that back. (laughs) There's no please. It was like that. Our policy is we're back in the office and we're back in the office before daylight and post sunset. So that's, there's a, from a financial institution perspective, I would say that that was the trend, not the big banks though. So let's separate. So big banks. Big banks, more latitude. Tens of thousands of people, so more latitude. I'm talking sort of like the Bay Street, Wall Street crowd. Yes. That was back in the office. You know, leadership's really, I have been hearing this more often, leadership's a a team sport. So I do wonder how, you know, leader, because I had this sense that leaders in the, let's say more of like command and control or 40 years ago, they really were focused on leading the ship individually or by themselves. And this whole word of leadership as a team sport, what does that mean to you as, as we need more servant leadership or empathetic leadership in this environment we're in? Well, great question. I think as a leader, you are responsible for evolving the vision of the organization in a collaborative way. And I think you are responsible for consistently reminding people of the vision and the key metrics that will provide evidence for all of us that we're executing against the vision. And I think you're responsible for seeing the obstacles, both anticipating and reacting to obstacles that are getting in the way of executing against the vision. And people are one of the largest obstacles and one of the largest, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the opposite of obstacle? Like opportunities or benefits. Yeah, opportunities and obstacles. And I and and that's a big, big part of the role. And I think now it's not command and control. I think people have really awoken to the fact of, well, hang on a minute. What's in it for me? So, so for instance, let's let's talk about when people interview for jobs. It used to be like, think about the energy of job interviews, right? What it used to be, anyways. It was Oh my God. Oh my God. I have an interview. I have an interview. Okay. I gotta, I gotta figure, I gotta study about this company. I've got to know what they're all about. I've got to, I've got to look good. I've got to look like I'm knowledgeable. Okay. 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 I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Okay. I've got to, I've got to, they've got to like me. They've got to think I'm smart. Okay. They've got, okay. 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 And then you do the interview. And then at the end, the interviewer would say, do you have any questions for me? And most people, certainly my experience was, um, no, no. Um, I think you've really um, told me everything that I need to know. It, uh, it sounds like a really great company and I'm really interested in working here. And then you'd wait by the phone or wait by your computer and like, do you like me enough to give me a job offer? Now, 
we have people who are going, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Okay, I have a couple of questions for you. Talk to me about um, your culture. Talk to me about sort of the tenets of your of your culture, right? And um, what is your position on on flexibility? Like, like, can you talk to me about uh, flexible work hours or flexible locations or like, how do you support that? And um, do you have any childcare options here? And right, like, people are taking the opportunity to say, here's what's important to me. And I, I think we're going to see more and more of that. Now, what I will say, Jordan, I'm running some back to office uh, workshops for one of my clients. And, and one of the things that we begin with is the exercise of, well, what is it that you do want from your work environment? What is it that you want? And I put two minutes on the clock and, you know, we do the Jeopardy music and some people come up with some things like they come up with community. They come up with energy, um, just connection. There's a lot of that. And then some people are like, Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Nobody's really asked me that question for a long time. I don't know. And we're, and we have a large group of people who are disconnected from what they want. And it's the leader's job to help people figure that out and to have the individual fit into the collective messaging. Does that, does that make sense? It does. And that's a shift, right? Because normally or in let's say, uh, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago, it wasn't their job to figure that out for the person, right? Well, okay, For I just let's dot the I's and cross the T's on this. It's not their job to figure it out for the person, but it is their job to ask the question and encourage the person to figure it out. Got it, got it. Right, I, you have to create an environment where knowing what you need and want is important for the organizational success. Agreed there. I'm just looking out on my phone. I'll give a shout out to uh, Pete Bambachi. I don't know if you know him. No. Um, he used to lead Movember in Canada. Oh, really, okay. really great guy. He, uh, he's been on my, uh, it's not a straight line podcast. He runs the Genwell human movement. Now it's quite, quite the movement. He quoted this article that was on global news. And he said, uh, seems like the natural expectations that an employee should have with any benefit or sorry, with any business that respects them as human beings and not just as machines working to produce an outcome eight to 12 hours a day. Some of the features that people talk about include flexible hours to allow for pickup and drop-offs from school or daycare, personal day, personal days to accommodate family members, schedules, and mental health resources to help employees who are going through a tough time outside of work. So it is interesting. You've got people, even in, in our own office, wanting, they're saying, oh, you know what was great about working at home? I can drop off my kid at school and then pick them up. Or if I have a day where I'm just not feeling it, I can be at home and choose the work 
I want. And this is for a specific subset of the working population. But it does seem some of those things were just so basic, but they were very rigid pre-pandemic. Like, no, you have to be here from nine to five in a lot of cases. And I don't really care if, you know, figure out different ways to get your kid to school or to pick them up. Do you have a reaction to that? Uh, well, uh, that's actually what's shifting. And I, I mean, look, this is, there's so many subsets and nuances to this. So sure. Yeah. What we do know is that the data shows that once again, women were the hardest hit in terms of their career and in terms of juggling when it came to managing homeschooling during lockdowns and their jobs. Right. So we, we know that women continue to take the brunt of that. The data shows that. That's absolutely. And so women dropped out of the workforce in, in droves because how do I have a five-year-old kindergarten student on a Zoom call with their kindergarten class and manage this pro- project that I'm responsible for? It's it was it was overwhelming for some. So so we have a gender specific. Uh, larger impact. Then we have the rise in mental health issues, right? So as a society, we are much more connected than we've ever been to talking about mental health issues, recognizing mental health issues, and understanding the impact of that. Look, I never used the word anxiety to describe myself, anxious to describe myself before. I I have issues with depression. We've talked about that before. I'm on medication for that. I never would have used previously the I'm an anxious person. Now I would, now I would say I have a lot of anxiety and, and that could be for lots of different things. I mean, it could be because I'm like a hormone, hormonal basket case, but I certainly have noticed the rise and that impacts organizations. Now for me, I'm lucky because I run my own business, but if you're in an organization and you're struggling with anxiety, that's going to have an impact on the organization and suck it up is not the answer. Right. Suck up your kids homeschooling is not the answer. Suck up your mental health issues is is not the the answer. And and even even the nuance of we have more dogs than ever. Right. What about the great adoption? True. And and all you have to do is walk down my street and see how people don't pick up their dog stuff. But anyway, that's another episode. Let's do an episode on that. Oh, my God. So fun. Um. And now I have to worry about my dog because my dog for two years has been home with me and loves me. And, and his normal is I'm home. And now I have to worry about that. If I'm going to be gone for 12 hours, then you've got another segment of, well, how much money do I earn and what's expected for that money? So, because we're talking about sort of a a group of nine to fivers, that's different. And there's a lot of, um, flexibility that needs to be introduced to that group and then we're talking about the nine to niners <laughs> right who earn a tremendous amount of money yes are in very stressful jobs as it pertains to the economy and there's an expectation that those 12 hour days or 15 hour days are not going anywhere and and what do we do with those people because most of them were working 18 hour days at home because you weren't getting away from your office. But now people want you back in the office literally from nine to nine. Like I have a lot of clients like that. So it is going to be 
One, it's going to be listening to your teams. Two, it's going to be consistently articulating the vision and the behaviors that are required to accomplish that vision in collaboration with your teams. And then three, as leaders, you're going to be spending a lot more time, not on spreadsheets, not on legal matters, not on, on, you know, at your desk, heads down, but engaged and talking to your people and then taking that feedback, incorporating it back into the overall strategic, strategic direction of the company and having it make sense to the masses. That's, that's a talent. That's a, like if you rose up through the ranks because you're a brilliant actuary and now part of your role is to engage with people and to, you know, let's use your two words, empathy and compassion. That's, that's going to be some stretching in your leadership going on, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's, it's a different skill set, really. And I think you've mentioned it a few times, but we've talked about, you know, what the employee wants and, and what they need in terms of progress and comfort and flexibility, but let's also have empathy too for the, for these leaders. You know, because it's an extremely hard time. And the other thing I wonder, um, you know, I was speaking to a a high-ranking executive at at a big company here in Canada, and he, he was speaking to me about, you know, his people and mental health and how that's a main concern. And I said to him, how have you dealt with it throughout the pandemic? Uh, and he, he made the comment, well, I've been coming to the office every day because he's an essential worker. Uh, so that has helped. And he also said that at my level, when you're here, people, you don't have time to really think about some of what, what may be affecting you. You're, you're asked to perform and you have to put that aside. And I think he handles it extremely well, but I do wonder the effect that has on people that maybe can't handle it that well, because they do have to put it aside. I think you don't have time to, I think if you're working those nine, 12 hours a day, it's harder to spend the time to realize what affects, what may be affecting you personally. Yes. And yes, that's the job, right? So mm-hmm. um, I don't think it used to be the job. But I think now more than ever, it is the job. And part of it is using what you're experiencing as a pathway to others, right? Like, am I tired? Am I stressed? Am I overwhelmed? Do I not know how to get from A to B? So using your emotional state of being as a pathway to others, but also not using it as the benchmark for others. So if you're like, if you're coping really well and you have energy, like no one's business, and if you are clear headed and there's no fog and, 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 and that doesn't mean that everybody else is feeling like you. So then you have to double down on your curiosity. Curiosity is one of the greatest tools anybody has in leadership. And make sure that you're in tune with what's going on with the masses. So one, use it as a pathway. Two, don't use it as a a benchmark. 
and other people have to come to the front of the formula if you want engagement, if you want loyalty, if you don't want to, you know, cripple your PL because you have massive retention issues. It's, it's, this is like, we're actually talking about PL stuff when we start to talk about people. And that's, that's where I think a lot of leaders, uh, I'm going to take out a lot of leaders. That's where some leaders are struggling and will continue to struggle. That when you harness the power of your team, when you have them happy, when you have them engaged, when you have them loyal, you're actually increasing your bottom line. Do you think there's uh, more studies around that now and more data points around that now to prove it? Because I agree with you and I think there have been a lot of analytics on it, but I wonder if for uh, maybe for a, for another podcast episode, like it'd be great to understand some of that evidence. I think the data is absolutely there. I think whether we're looking at it and using it and internalizing it appropriately is another story. I think the data has been there for a long time. Yes. I really do, Jordan. It's, um, but our, our metrics are not around that, right? So the system is a bit wonky because in many organizations, and I want to use capital M most organizations, we measure financial aspects that determine whether we're a successful organization or not. And I think the most powerful organizations, certainly in this day and age, I, you know, I believe this for years, years, like probably 20 years now, the most powerful organizations have a multitude of metrics that give you the pulse on different aspects of your business. So in, in corporate language, we call that a strategic scorecard, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And so I'm going to measure my client satisfaction. I, of course, I'm going to have financial metrics because that's the, the basis on which we move forward, but I'm going to measure my employee satisfaction and my employee engagement, right? You're going to have critical measures that give you the pulse on the entire business. And if you don't have a strategic scorecard in place right now that measures those variables, I think you're going to struggle. And that the people metrics are as important, in my humble opinion, maybe not so humble, as important as the financial metrics, because I fundamentally believe that the people metrics enable, accelerate the financial metrics. I agree. I 100% agree with you. Right? It's I so, think it's been like that for a, for a long time. I think it has been, but the stock exchange only measures financial metrics, right? And mm -hmm. so I think it people have chosen to ignore the data on the people side. And now that it would appear, you know, with terms like the great resignation, that the employee has more power than they've ever had, right? It's a buyer's market for jobs right now. Um, I think people are being forced to pay attention to the data that's been there for a long time. And if you're a leader, you might, you might want to read some of those studies. Yeah, and usually by the time it's been something you're forced to do, it's it's slightly too late and you have to catch up, right? Um, any practices for for this week that that people should focus on 
or leaders should focus on when they're thinking about the environment they're in right now? Yeah, lots. Okay, let's go with the easiest one. Sure. If you were leader, if you're a leader, and I don't care if you're a leader of one or if you're a leader of a thousand, what I would encourage you to do this week, get out in your hallways. If you have a um, return to the office, get out in your hallways and carve out at a minimum 15 minutes every day. So 15 minutes, right? You can be on the clock and make eye contact with a variety of employees in the organization and ask them the question, how are you feeling? What do you need? Is there anything that we're missing that we're, we're, we, we've sort of dropped the ball on it? Is there anything that you would like to share with me? Look the person in the eye, sit down, maybe buy them a coffee. So every day, carve out 15 minutes to talk, connect, and listen more than you're speaking. That is the practice. That's an amazing practice. And and any advice from a self-leadership standpoint for an employee when they're asked that question? Yeah. So for every employee, this is part of the workshop I'm running for, for one of my clients. Spend some time answering that question. What do I need from my employment environment? In my career, in my job, some of us have careers, some of us have jobs. One is not better than the other. What is it that I need to be my best? Have an answer for that question. And so if you are feeding kids and walking dogs and dropping off dry cleaning and doing laundry and going to the grocery store and cooking dinner and changing diapers and, 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 I can just picture a lot of women in my sphere right now going, I don't know what I need, (laughs) (laughs) but ask yourself the question. And you know what? Asking that question, you only need two minutes on the clock. You only need to, like, you don't need a lot of time. Gently ask yourself that question. The answers don't need to pop up right away, but every day, just ask yourself the question and open yourself up to receive the answers and then just jot them down. Absolutely. And I, and I would say, be honest about what you need. And as you said on the last episode, you know, consider too what your employer needs and wants. So that's great, Michelle. I love that practice. Um, Thanks for everyone who tuned in this week and uh, we'll see you soon. As always, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to follow Get Your Shift Together on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and visit michelleferrari.org to learn more. This has been Jordan Harding with Michelle Ferrari reminding you to get your shift together. Join us next time.